John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, we'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. And guess what? Isotope offers one free month of Music Production Suite Pro, which has all the tools you need to mix, master, and repair audio. Also, you can get 10% off all other software using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All of this is at isotope.com, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, said Peterson. Oh, hey, Ed, it's John Kiltica. Hey, John, you've got a mustache. I do. <laughs> What's going on with that? That's a different look. Yeah, you know. We've been sitting here talking before we hit record, and uh-huh. I didn't mention the mustache, and it took every ounce of my self-control to not bring it up. Yeah, I thought, you know, he's going to say something. Yeah. I decided I'm going to try to grow the cheesy porn cop stash. 2023. Yeah, 2023, bring it on. (laughs) That's great. I think when you post pictures of this cool-looking guitar, the guitar and the mustache, it's a real strong combination. Pretty strong combination. You know why you've got a guitar? Why? This is the High Game Podcast, and we talk about guitars. Oh, yeah, here in beautiful West Seattle. Beautiful West Seattle. It's warmed up a little bit in 2023. A little bit, yeah. It's not as rainy. My house is fully sided. There's windows in. They just have not been able to paint. It's too cold. It's too cold to paint. Yes. And I think warmness is better for the guitar we've got today. We might have new listeners just based on this guitar. I think so. Welcome, new listeners. We talk about guitars and amps (laughs) and effects pedals. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Yes, we do. And I went through a lot of trouble for this guitar to set up yeah, the it, right tones. I knew what the guitar was before we started recording, but I guess I didn't know. And there's all these cables running on the board right now that I was like, oh, this guitar, what is going on? We have done Travis Bean guitars before. Sure. Aluminum neck, so the warmer temperature helps my hand. Oh, I see. Did you work on any shellac riffs? I didn't. Okay. Because, Ed. Yeah? This, <laughs> this is the Travis Bean TB500JG. Mm. JG standing for? Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia. What's he up to? Doing stuff. Oh, sure. From beyond. I watched Oliver Stone's The Doors a couple days ago, and I have this theory. Uh-huh. You can actually hear The Doors, and then you can listen to, like, This Will Destroy You, or Mogwai, or Explosions in the Sky. They clearly listen to, like, Riders on the Storm, and This is the End. Well, sure. <laughs> Beverages. Beverages, Ed. Are you feeling groovy? Um, I could not identify a Grateful Dead song if it, you know. Neither could I. That just had the vibe. Right. And I can't even think of names of dead songs. I learned a whole bunch of dead song names in preparation for this episode. Oh, really? You got your Franklin's Tower. Oh, okay. Althea. Yeah. Terrapin Station. <laughs> just do that for you know like what five hours yeah yeah exactly sure if you're into jerry turns out we've got a guitar for you and he was truly a pioneer in a lot of ways that we're gonna get into Ooh, we're gonna need to be focused centered aware and mostly hydrated ed black coffee yeah and a huel protein drink oh of course starting out the year you know Shake it up, baby. Shake it up. Mm -hmm. I, too, have black coffee. Yeah. And a raw organic mango clementine. I don't want to call you out, John. Yeah. Where's your black coffee? I don't see a black it's coffee. It's on the floor. Oh, okay. Mango clementine. Ooh. It's got lots of vitamins and stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Start now 2023 with a bang. Banger. It is kind of fun. I'm going through a mini Qtron. It's a mini Qtron, and it's the size of a lunchbox. Yeah, it's pretty big. 1981. Yep. And the Walrus Slow. Sure. You want to hear something funny? Oh. When I kind of rearranged the board for this, I put the pedals in the wrong order. So our new friend, the Beat Buddy. Yeah. Got put in the wrong order with the Qtron. It got put in exactly the right order. We know about Travis Bean. He was an unusual cat. Erstwhile motorcycle racer. Mm. We lost him in 2011. Sculptor? A rock and roll drummer? Mm. When injured in a motorcycle race, he decided to maybe stop that kind of stuff. Sure, that yeah. seems correct. So he took a job at a guitar shop, mm -hmm. and he met one of his buddies, Mark McElwee. We'll just call him Mark. 
Can I throw you what I remember? Maybe. Go ahead. Did McElwee go on to found Kramer? No. Kramer went on to found Kramer. Gary Kramer you're talking about. That's weird. Yeah. What did McElwee do? Worked at Travis Bean with Travis Bean. (laughs) They were established in 1974. I should pay better attention to this stuff. So Gary, Travis, and Mark found Travis Bean guitars in 74. Wait, you just said three names. I did. By the time Travis Bean Guitars is established, Gary Kramer is on board. Okay, so there was the Kramer thing. It would be weird if McElwee started a company called Kramer. Yep. Their whole stick was to make guitars with aluminum necks, and they would machine this aluminum from one big piece of metal all the way down to the bridge. Yeah. Then you would just take the pickups and the bridge and attach them to that piece of aluminum and then stick it in a body that you make out of wood. Sure. The wood probably mattered a lot. You really want a nice resonant tone wood Yeah. when that... you've got the pickups in a fucking solid hunk of aluminum. Yeah, isn't that funny? I was wondering about the aluminum, actually. Yeah. They make a big deal out of the number. The aluminum they used was 6061T6, but later they switched to 7075T651. What is that even? Yeah. So I did a little research in the family. Oh my gosh. I have a brother who is an engineer, and one of the materials he has lots of experience with is aluminum. So I shot him a little message. I'm like, what's with these numbers? How do you decipher this? Yeah. This is a direct quote from Tim about this here. Tim Kilteka. Yeah. 7075 T651 whatever. Okay. That grade of aluminum is one of the strongest alloys and used in aerospace applications. The temper, which is the T, has good fatigue strength and more importantly, good stress corrosion resistance. A strong point for aerospace. Those qualities would also be a benefit for a guitar. So there you go. Okay. I think one of the czars, you know, maybe a Nicholas, they would have the people over for these big fancy banquet things, right? Uh Uh-huh. Everyone would have gold plates. Whoa. Yeah. What did the czar eat off of? Lead. Aluminum. Because aluminum was actually way harder to get. Gold was unknown. Here's how you get it. Yeah. He would come out and he would be eating on this shitty aluminum plate. And it's like all these dudes with gold plates are like, fuck, look at this baller. Check out Fancy Czar over there. (laughs) Exactly. The Washington Monument is tipped with six pounds of aluminum. And at the point that tip was made, that was the most aluminum used in any one thing. Is that crazy? Am I making stuff up? Maybe. Have I been in a fever dream? Well, it's 2023. Anything goes, Ed. Yeah. Aluminum. Weird history. The first mass use of this 7075 alloy was by Mitsubishi. They used it to build A6M Zero fighters, the Japanese Zeros. Zeros, yeah. In World War II. Yeah. So Travis Bean, they're making these guitars. Around 1975, early on, Gary Kramer splits to start Kramer Guitars. Yeah. Orders were behind. He claimed that Travis Bean was distracted because he wanted to be a drummer or something. Mm -hmm. Also, Travis had filed for a couple few patents in his own name. Uh Uh-huh. Kramer was like, last I looked, there were three of us at this company. Right. He wasn't into it. Around this time, Jerry Garcia ends up with a Travis Bean guitar, the TB-1000S, which meant standard. Yep. And he liked it. Sure. He particularly liked that you could swap the necks out. He was always tinkering, Jerry. Why would that be the thing you would swap out? I don't know, 
But in looking all of this up, I found on the web an auction for one of Jerry Garcia's Travis Bean necks. Sure. Eventually, he ended up with a TB500, like the one I'm holding today. It has two different sized cutaways. This one has three switches, one for each pickup, and a volume and two tones. And we'll get into the differences here, but it's complicated. (laughs) It also has two jacks on it. That's the bit. I'm like, okay, I get it. Three switches, three pickups, I get it. And then... The tech behind all of this was actually invented by Jerry Garcia. Okay. In 1976, 77, he goes to whoever his tech is at the time, and he says, in all my effects that are in the effects loop, I want that to go back to my guitar. And it's called an onboard effects loop, Mm O-B-E-L. Why do you want that, Jerry Garcia? Well, because otherwise, the sound from my guitar goes into my effects loop, and if I should happen to change the tone settings or the volume, that's going to affect how the effects and even the amp respond. Have you noticed that? Sure. He wanted the opposite. I want to be able to mess with the volume and the tone, and the quality of the effects will remain static. Hmm. So... They wire the audio directly out from the pickups. Okay. You go out with a stereo cable into a box. I've got one here. This guitar comes with a rattlesnake box, and you create a loop with your effects. One of the cables plugs into the first effect on your board, and then you take a cable from your last effect on the board and bring it back, and now your effects are going to your guitar. Sounds like distortion, right? We know that if you play softer... It kind of cleans up. That's normally what somebody might do with their volume control. I'll just roll back the volume a little bit and it'll clean it up. Mm-hmm. Not with this onboard effects loop. Turn it down. You're still yeah. hitting it at 100%. Weird. This is a master volume. I'm just not a dead aficionado, and that's my bad, folks. But what was his effects board like? He was a pioneer in that as well. Remember back in the day, people would have all their effects in racks? Sure. Before that was done, Jerry was doing it. So did he have reverb and delay and all of that stuff mid-70s? Yeah, and what he was experiencing was over long, long cable runs, the signal would degrade. So this, in part, helped with that, plus the fact that there's also a buffer built into here. Mm. Into here, John is pointing at the guitar. Yeah, into the guitar. Powered buffer? No. Okay. Same quality of distortion, regardless of my volume. Yeah, okay. I don't know, me personally, that's not really how I play. I imagine that is a thing that could be pretty important to the point of critical for someone playing live shows. Big live shows where you want your sound a specific way. It seems kind of pointless in a studio setting where I think you can kind of play with all of that stuff. But if you're live and you're actually relying on your volume knob, okay. And then something like the Qtron will still rely on touch because that's how that particular effect works, just with the benefit that you're presenting it with full-on signals from your pickups. (laughs) 
Did he have a Qtron? He did. Well, an envelope follower type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is just like, give me the look. Uh, you know, you've got a whole thing going on over there. All three pickups are on right now. Mm -hmm. Let's hear that bridge. Let's see how Travis Beanie. Yes. Yes. It's nice. Yeah. Let's put on just the middle pickup. Just the neck. Now, mm -hmm. since this is a master volume, that neck has what's called autonomous tone. Mm. So it just kind of sets itself where it is. Oh, weird. Huh. Turn them all back on again. Yeah. Dude clearly was not afraid of knobs and switches. Yeah. This guitar was played mm -hmm. most of 1977 and a little bit of 1976. It was the first of all his guitars, and he played many throughout the years, to have an onboard effects loop. Okay. Every guitar he played after this, Travis Bean, had that in it. He found it that useful. Sure. So it achieves a consistent response from the effects because the signal going out is constant. Jerry and Travis worked together on this thing. No, Jerry bought the guitar and had somebody else modify it. Oh, uh, it didn't come with that from Travis Bean? Jerry had his dudes do it. Oh. Jerry conceived of it and had his dudes modify it. Weird. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was always doing that. Where'd you get this guitar, John? We got this from Thunder Road Guitars. Thunderroadguitars.com? Yes. Frank and the boys. This is a reissue. Okay. It is the TB500JG, and it recreates that original Jerry Garcia one. It's a Travis Bean. Are they back? Travis Bean, the company, ended in 1979. Okay. This is Travis Bean Designs. Okay. Travis's widow gave her blessing. Our guy at Electrical Guitar Company builds the Travis Bean Designs guitars. Okay. This Jerry Garcia one was actually built with our man Mark McElwee. Oh, funny. Okay. He's in on it and can vouch for how the original would have been. And Jerry's, by the way, yep. was serial number 12. What color is this? This is white. Yeah. Jerry's actual TB500 sold at auction in 2013. How much did it go for, Ed? I think Jerry's guitar went for $42,000. And I almost imagine that might be high, but I'm going to say 42000 Would it surprise you to know that it went for 243000 <laughs> <laughs> Huh. You know what was in the case with it? Jerry's missing finger? No. <laughs> That would be cool. An unopened pack of smokes. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Unfiltered camels. That's very cool. That makes it cooler. Yeah, I think so. Wow, there's a pack of Jerry's smokes in there. Huh. This guitar is one of six made. All the same? Identical. Okay. The junction box and stereo cable that you plug into it is made by our good friends over there at Rattlesnake Cables. That comes with a guitar when you buy it. Hank and crew. Yeah, Hank and crew over there at Rattlesnake. Shout out. Friend of the show. Yep. When Jerry started playing this Travis Bean with the onboard effects loop, it was considered the beginning of his new tone. 
Can you play it straight out? Sure. Now my guitar is going straight in and bypassing all my effects. I got it. Yeah. I wonder if when they're talking about the new tone, it's kind of more pronounced live. There's all those gazillion dead bootleg tapes, right? Yeah. Oh, why does it sound so different starting like on this show? There's probably a date where he played that thing live for the first time. There is, Ed. And the tone between that show and the show right before it, I could see it being different. It was 1977. Uh-huh. He played at the Cow Palace in Daly City, California. Okay. I guess that's around the San Francisco area somewhere. I don't know anything about it. That's not too far out of the way. Birthplace of Sam Rockwell. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. His guitar, Jerry's guitar. Not Sam Rockwell's. Not Sam Rockwell's. Had a sticker behind the bridge. Okay. That said, ask grass or gas, nobody rides free. <laughs> Fucking Jerry. He put that sticker over the sticker that he had on it before that. Yeah. That one said, the enemy is listening. Oh my God. That one's so much better. Yeah. That's great. I can see why he would do that. Yeah. The enemy is listening. There are some Nixon campaign ads that have footage of Jerry. Really? You should vote for Nixon. Why? Look at that guy. It is not a terrible argument. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> how did our friend jerry garcia die he was in a rehab center mm -hmm. and he had a heart attack mm -hmm. related to his constellation of problems constellation of problems he was a diabetic yeah had a lot of physical problems and then on top of the physical problems for years he had been on coke and heroin yeah years i am not condoning drug use but I'm also thinking the war on drugs is a fucking stupid, dumb, bullshit thing. I think so, too. Hey, I thought I'd tell you about a couple of Jerry's guitars. Okay. Because it turns out that this Travis Bean of his was his third most played guitar. Oh, just like pure hours on stage, hours in Jerry's hands. Yeah, he really liked it. Okay. The first main one that people are familiar with is called Alligator. Ooh. It was a heavily modified Stratocaster that was given to Jerry by Graham Nash. Weird. Number two was called Wolf. Ooh. And that was custom made by a guy named Doug Irwin. Okay. Out of Purple Heart and Curly Maple Tone Woods. In its shape, it resembles like a kind of offset Bronco or Mustang, actually. Oh. I picture him with that kind of warlocky guitar. That would come next, but okay. in between Wolf and that mm -hmm. was the Travis Bean we've just talked about. Tiger was the one you're thinking of. That was another Doug Irwin model. What is that? Alembic? Yeah, Doug Irwin started out his guitar life with Alembic, yeah. Okay. Very heavy. It was 13 and a half pounds. They used Coco Bolo, Ed? <laughs> Vermilion? and maple and sandwich them together that's where the term hippie sandwich comes from after that was his rosebud guitar mm. also a doug Irwin joint looked very similar to the tiger it just kind of one up the features and he tried to make it lighter for jerry <laughs> didn't want the 13 pounds four hour shows if not longer <laughs> that would be so bad on your back his rosebud guitar, I don't even know how this works, but it had full MIDI controls built into it. Sure. Why not? I think I'm on the record of saying MIDI is for witches. Yes. And then the last one, Ed, was called Lightning Bolt. A then-amateur luthier named Stephen Kripe 
thought he wanted to try to build a really badass guitar for Jerry. Why not? I'm going to build a guitar for Jerry, and he sent it to him as a gift. Mm-hmm. Hi, Jerry. I love the dead. I built you a guitar. I hope you like it. Yeah. And Jerry did, and used it from 1993 until he died. Huh. And that guitar is on display at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All right. Lightning bolt. something like that you look oh. over and ed is like side-eyed head shaking try not to look you in the eye how long would i have to play it before ed would just faint or something the thing with that guitar it's not like give me a guitar with a bunch of knobs and switches because i think it looks cool he was like give me a guitar that does these nine million things because within this show i'm gonna do all of them i can appreciate that there were no guitars with onboard effects loops right he thought it up. He implemented it. Yep. It's his thing. Yeah. And like you said, he had a need for it. Yeah. And that's great. I'm just the dude who wants one pickup with a volume knob. What do I even need the volume knob for, really? I never use that thing, you know, but I'm an idiot. Mileage may certainly vary. You gotta try it. Try and decide. Is it Okay, Ed, mm -hmm. you know about Travis Bean with the aluminum necks. Yep. You know what they do. Yeah. But this one has a Jerry Garcia designed onboard effects loop. Mm-hmm. Fire deny. Not into it. But I love Travis Bean guitars. I'm just very into that sound. I've played a half dozen Travis Beans now and have not gelled with any of them. I don't think I gel with them as much as I used to. But it doesn't mean that the right example isn't out there. Maybe. What about you? I think I'm with you. I am not the kind of player, or what I do anyway, I don't think requires an effects loop built into the guitar. I'd probably never use it. But I can see how this would be super useful. We'll take lots of pictures of this bad boy, and then we'll put them up. On the Instagram? On the Instagram, yeah. Cool. And on our webpage, uh -huh. thehighgain.com. Tell Grandma. Grandma wants to know about this stuff. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And as always, Ed, mm -hmm. we are proud members of the Ruinous Media Network of Music-Related Podcasts. <laughs> I could not do that. <laughs> I, there is no way I could say those words. We haven't I talked hope. to those cats over there since the New Year drop. Life gets in the way. What are you going to do? Yeah. Okay, well, let's do it again next week. Good work, John. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right, then. Bye. Bye.